0: Welcome to Mavs Daily, where we talk about the Mavs Daily. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me today is Isaac Harris. Isaac, big 4th of July weekend. How many fireworks did you shoot off yourself?
1: Man, I did not set off any fireworks. I realized over the weekend that I turned into the guy that I complained about as a teenager. And when I was a teenager, I complained about the the old man, the old get off my lawn man that was like anti-fireworks. And now that I have a couple kids and a dog, now I was the one at 1230, you know, sitting back saying, do we really have to fire off another mortar at, you know, midnight right now? So uh, that was my realization. You never know if you're going to become the person that you complain about as a teenager.
0: Yeah. So this is my first 4th of July in the city. Normally on the 4th, I'm actually shooting shows. So around midnight, I'm still like picking up trash and loading up the truck and everything. But uh, this is my first 4th of July in, I don't know, like seven years, I think, where I wasn't shooting a fireworks show on the actual day. And so it was very eye opening being downtown and uh, hearing fireworks go off literally all night from like 6 p.m. until 2 a.m., thinking like, and it's mostly the same people doing it too. I'm like, you spend like six hours outside shooting off fireworks like one every 10 minutes. Like, what is the goal here? I don't know. I don't really get it, but. Hey, I'm not one to knock anybody's idea of a good time as long as it's safe. So always, Isaac, uh, not, not that you do it anymore because you, you're a you're big-time dad now, but uh, to all the listeners out there, if you ever handle fireworks, just be careful. Just be safe. Okay, And also wear a mask. Uh, today is not about fireworks, though. Today we're talking about something that's hot, hot, hot. And I'm not talking Tesla stocks, Isaac. I am <laughs> talking about Tim Hardaway Jr. Dude is balling out of his mind. We actually recorded an episode about him, I don't know, maybe like two weeks ago, a bit of foreshadowing. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen uh, to an older episode of Mavs Daily. But uh, today it was Tim's turn to address the media. Uh, Last week we heard from Rick Carlisle, Donnie Nelson, and we heard from Luca, and we heard from KP. On Friday, Becca and I uh, recorded a podcast where we kind of reviewed some of their... Highlights from their press conference. Uh, Before we get to what Tim said, though, Isaac, is there anything from last week? And I don't want you to basically just rephrase everything that Becca and I said, but maybe there's something that uh, that spoke to you that we didn't hit on. Any highlights from last week that you want to hit on before we get to Tim?
1: I mean, I think the biggest one from last week was the fact that um, KP watched Tiger King. I mean, I I think if there's one (laughs) takeaway... That was a uh, yeah KP talking about Tiger King. That was that was huge. But no, I mean I, I think the general part about just how excited they are. You know KP Luca both saying hey it wasn't even a a, a conversation a debate for us. We're playing in Orlando. We're going down there. Uh, just the vibe hearing uh, Rick and everyone um, just talk about yeah the first playoff experience for a lot of these guys for KP Luca. Just see how excited the whole team uh, was. I think Donnie's um, explanation of the rotation in his eyes was um, at least insightful. You know, you don't hear every day a GM explain uh, the rotation or how he views the roster. And uh, I just appreciate that. I I like hearing that from an NBA GM. And um, yeah, I I think that was, uh, I mean, we could go all day on just random quotes and stuff that came out of it. But uh, I think KP had a couple of uh, one-liners, especially his his, uh, response to Doyle. Uh, when uh, Doyle at Kobe Beef on Twitter asked him about if he had added anything and KP's uh, secretive, I have, but you'll have to see it on the court. Uh, it has us all intrigued right now what, uh, what that could be.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking one-legged fade from three uh, or behind the back, between the legs, reverse 360 slam. Uh, either one of those two things, Not you know not leaning too far in one direction or the other. Uh, I think generally there's kind of this youthful exuberance around this team, and that's sort of new. You and I have been covering this team for for several years now. This is, I think, my seventh season being around the Mavs, and I'm not you know, plugged in the way that your Tim McMahons are or anything like that, but um, I still know enough about these guys and about the roster, how it's changed over the years, to know that this is definitely a new vibe coming from this team. And that was certainly... Reflected last week hearing from Luka and KP because this is the first time these guys will be in the playoffs and the Dallas hasn't technically clinched a playoff spot, but two wins, two losses or any combination thereof between Dallas and Memphis will result in the Mavs clinching a playoff spot. So it's extremely likely. But anyway, those guys have not been to the playoffs and many of the players on this roster haven't. Obviously, J.J. Barea has. Courtney Lee has. They've both been to the finals. Dwight Powell has been to the playoffs a couple of times, even though he wasn't really a player. But he's not healthy, just like Courtney's not healthy. And J.J.'s not really a big staple in the rotation. So for these main guys on the team, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, this is going to be their first experience for the most part. But one of the few guys that does have experience is Tim Hardaway Jr., who is kind of like almost this, the old head in the room now uh, among your main rotation guys. If you were to map out the top eight or nine, as Donnie did the other day, Tim and Dewan Wright are like the two oldest players in this rotation, which is bizarre. Seth Curry, too, I guess. He's like 28, 29. You know, this is a really, really young team. Uh, so what was kind of the most interesting quote to me from Tim, as fortune would have it, was answering a question asked by none other than Isaac Harris, who is with me on this <laughs> podcast. You asked him. As one of the few guys that has been to the playoffs, what would your advice be to Luca and KP and the other guys in this team that maybe don't have as much experience as you have? And now I think Tim has only been to maybe one or two postseasons, and and Seth Curry last year made it to the conference finals, but I believe that was his first playoff experience. So this is a pretty limited uh, bunch. It's going to be going up against Denver or the Clippers most likely in the first round, two teams that have plenty of players that have made deep postseasons run. Uh, runs and 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 Tim before you asked that question was saying like playing without fans it's going to be different because home court advantage in the playoffs is so big but you're going to have to sort of generate your own energy and then to your question he said the big thing is to control what you can control and he went on talking about like you know in the playoffs there are fewer fouls called and so you're not going to get whistles maybe that you think you should so you might get frustrated but you can't let that get to you uh, talking about like momentum now, without fans, that, that'll that be a little different because you know, Dame Lillard burying a 40 footer in Portland uh, feels like a 10 point shot, but in Orlando, you're gonna look up at the scoreboards, so this is gonna be a three pointer, you know, so you're gonna have to generate your own energy. And throughout the course of a long playoff series, teams are gonna make adjustments. And so, for guys like Luka and KP, who are obviously the focal point of the offense, they're gonna be the focal point of the defensive scouting report. So, they're gonna see a lot of new looks maybe that they haven't seen before and it's going to change from game to game. And so these are things that they're going to have to learn along the way. But uh, I guess I just totally stole your thunder because you were the one to ask the question. So is there anything that you wanted to add to to what Tim said?
1: No, I mean, I liked earlier. I felt felt like we were kind of vindicated a little bit when talking about uh, just his path before he got to Dallas in that um, Mavs Daily podcast. What was it? three weeks ago maybe that we talked about uh, Tim Hardaway and we talked about um, just the coaches that he had went through in early in his career and comparing this time in Dallas to Atlanta. And he actually did that in uh, this, this presser today in this media session uh, that he was surrounded by these star players in Atlanta with Horford Millsap and those guys and how he found his role with that team. And now in Dallas, he's like, I found my role. And we'll talk about that a little, a little bit more in a little bit, but yeah, just so him, Talking about that experience in Atlanta, I think he had two postseason runs for the Hawks, and I, I liked how he mentioned. I couldn't help to laugh when he talked about not getting um, calls and and referee how he can't get frustrated. Mike, hey, he's probably going to tell Luca that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the the whole like adjustment part too of his answer, I thought that was uh, really. I don't know, just hearing it from somebody that's experienced that that in a seven game series it's not just a one-off regular season game like you might catch somebody by surprise by you know a certain game plan or whatever it is you play somebody back to back to back to back you know in a series game plans have to adjust and he he mentioned I forgot uh, paraphrasing him here is saying you know you might try something it might work one or few you know, one or two times but then you got to change something up because teams will adjust and I thought that was huge advice coming from him because yeah, I mean, especially somebody experiencing something for the first time, a Luca, KP, or whoever it is, seeing something, a move or something that works, and then they get two, ga- two games into a series, and that the other teams, you know, change their whole approach to that, and all of a sudden, man, you can't be thrown off. So I love that piece of advice from Tim.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that I thought of immediately, and I guess I always think about that. I'm a huge loser, first off, so all <laughs> I do is think about basketball all the time, but – The example that's kind of stuck with me all season long, and especially now that we're, you know, kind of more or less staring a Mavs Clippers first round in the face, there's a chance that could happen. But, you know, that it might not happen. But when you're talking about adjustments, one of the only players in the NBA that's really been able to flummox Luka coming off a screen is Kawhi. And it's not even when Kawhi is covering Luka. You go back and watch the two times that the Mavs and Clippers played this season. Kawhi picked off these passes to the weak side corner. So Luca will come off a screen going right. So he's on like, you know, a high screen and he's on the right wing and he's slinging a pass to the left corner. Some of his best assists are like no look, like the pass to Dorian, the the sort of hook pass over his head. He goes from the right side of the floor to the left corner all the time with the ball because teams are overloading this side of the floor to stop Luca to stop the screener, to stop the shooters. You know, you want to guard guys that are one pass away. So this weak side corner is usually open. Well, Luca always skips that pass over there. No one ever stops it, except for Kawhi. I think in the first time the Mavs played the Clippers, Luca had five or six turnovers. Most of those were in the first half. And then in the second game, it was either Kawhi or maybe Pat Bev who caught him making that pass too, or might have even been Paul George. And so you get all of a sudden guys that are really good defenders, playoff level defenders, championship level defenders, that are going to be sitting on that play, you're going to have to make an adjustment. And so Luca will have to adjust. Maybe that shooter will have to adjust because obviously if you're watching Luca, you're not watching your man. And so maybe if you're Seth Curry in the weak corner, then you flash up to the wing and all of a sudden they can't sit on that pass anymore. Uh, So there's all sorts of like different little wrinkles that are going to present themselves uh, where you go through an 82 game regular season, obviously not on autopilot because these are high level basketball games, but teams are just going to do what they do. But in the playoffs, they're going to try and stop you. You know, they're not—they're not just playing LA Clippers defense or Denver Nuggets defense. They're defending Luca. They're defending KP. So you're going to have to make changes. Um,
1: and he okay, mentioned the defense. Next- the defense at the end of that quote. He he finished up the quote and then he like came back in for another comment on it of saying, "And we have to play defense. We have to play." And he just he wanted to emphasize, uh, you know, their defensive end of the basketball. So. Yeah, I, I love Tim's an awesome uh, person to talk to from a media standpoint and everything. So great quote from him.
0: Yeah, Tim and KP are incredible quotes. Like Luca, obviously, is a a, a really compelling player to cover because he's so good. But his media chops, I don't think, have quite caught up yet. Um, a lot of guys are that way whenever they're young. Yeah. But dude, Tim and KP, and I mean, there are a lot of guys on this team that are, JJ is a great quote too. Maxi's a really good quote. Dorian, I think, is a good quote. But uh, yeah, Tim and KP are, are both awesome. Um, but yeah, the defense is important, man. This is a this this team has been in the bottom half defensively for most of the season. Um, you look at some of their losses against teams with below average records, teams like Washington, Chicago. Um, you know, their losses to New York were both, I think, if I remember right, they were both low scoring games where the offense just couldn't keep up. But against Charlotte. Um, you know you're you're giving up 115 120 points to these teams, and so in a playoff series, you've got to be playing above average level defense in order to give yourself a chance. Because teams like the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Rockets, they're going to be stepping their D game up too. So the Mavs have got to uh, have got to step up on that end too. And that starts honestly, you know, KP is your anchor, but that kind of starts with the perimeter guys. Starts with Tim. Starts with Dorian. Starts with Luca. Uh, those guys have got to step up, try and limit the dribble penetration and all that stuff. Um, otherwise, it's going to be eh, things could get dicey. Uh, the next thing that Tim said that really stood out to me is uh, someone asked him—I f- I forget who asked him—I'm sorry, I don't—I don't, I don't remember—about uh, kind of his. It might have been Eddie, I think, about his role with the team and and he's having kind of this breakout season. And you know, does he feel like he's a, a bona fide third option? Is basically kind of the way the question was framed because. Before he came here, he was obviously a, a high-scoring guy in New York, and then he had a, a good season with Atlanta. But really, it seems like the, the times when his individual numbers have been their most productive, I guess, from especially from a points-per-game standpoint, the teams he's been on haven't been very good. But now he's maintaining that level of production on a team that would have flirted with 50 wins had they played 82 games. And so you know, does he feel like he's taking a step forward in his game? And uh, the way that Eddie asked the question was kind of setting up, like, do you feel like a third option guy? And uh, he said, I don't care if I'm a third option. I don't care if I'm a fourth option. If Luca or KP are out, I don't care if I'm a second option or a first option. I just want to win. And kind of got to believe him because and, – and he even mentioned this too. He said, don't forget, Seth Curry started the season for us, and I was coming out. Mm-hmm. Like, he, Tim was coming off the bench at the beginning of the year, and I thought it was going to be great for him. You thought it was going to be great for him, and it was not great in any way, he he really struggled as the sixth man and Seth got sick or got hurt or something. And Tim stepped into the starting lineup and never let go on that starting spot. And And he's now already achieved his career high and made threes. He's made 185 threes in these eight games. He has a chance to, I believe, become number two all time in most threes in the season for the Maps. The record is George McLeod. Off the top of my head, I think he had like 261 or something. So Tim will not... Get there, and he, I mean, if he did, it would be pretty incredible because he'd have to make 83s in in eight games. But he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna have one of the most prolific three point shooting seasons in Mavs history. Despite playing a, a condensed schedule, he's at a career high in three point percentage. He's above 40 percent, uh, career high in effective field goal percentage. He's above 55 percent. So by any metric, really, if you're just looking at his scoring numbers, he's having an incredible season. But I think this kind of touches on what you and I talked about before too, a couple of weeks back or whenever it was, but. There's just a level of buy in from him mm-hmm. that really, I think, even if you're not like a vocal leader, which I think he is, he's a pretty vocal guy. But looking at a player who's as accomplished and, and has scored as many points as he has and is as talented as he has, just naturally, uh, like when you take that, look at that type of player, said that he was willing to come off the bench and he wasn't making a stink about it, even whenever his numbers were suffering, and then he got up. An opportunity to step forward and he took advantage of it and is now having arguably the best season of his career that kind of sets a culture in its own right or maybe i'm looking way too far into it
1: no i think it does i mean it, you look at his mindset behind everything when he first answered that question he said i don't care i just want at this point i want to win and that mindset is the foundation to this hey i'm gonna come off the bench if that's the role i have to you know play at the beginning of the season this is gonna be my role i'm gonna come off the bench he talked about being the piece next to kp and luca he said hey i'm just here to make life easier for these guys he's like this is this is my role for them and just the selflessness of it of him saying hey like don't forget about seth too like he was asking a question to himself about if he's the third option and he brings up another teammate and saying, Hey, well, don't forget about him. Like he can be the, and it's like, man, that whole, that was, I want to say that's my favorite quote, that whole like quote from him of all the media sessions so far since we've started back. I just love how Tim, it was just all about the team. It was all about winning. He didn't care about being the third option. It's all about helping KP and Luca and how he could fit alongside those two guys. And how? Hey, don't forget about Seth too. He's had an incredible season, and I think that's just it. Shows I think it's huge for a younger team to look at a guy like Tim, where he's at in his career, and it's all about winning. And he backs that up with every, you know, like what he's saying and how he goes about his, his time and play and uh, working out and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, that quote from Tim was incredible.
0: Yeah, it's awesome that he. I don't know. It's almost weird to hear players say because everybody knows look everyone who watches the mavs one time even if you've never watched basketball before you know that luka and kp are the most important players but it's always weird to hear other teammates admit that you know it's kind of like a, you're important too man you know like yeah. I, I don't know i almost feel bad whenever they say it even though it's technically right but don't mistake for a second tim's sort of willingness to uh, i don't know maybe submit or like be like the be the helper be the role player next to those two guys Don't conflate that with like a lack of confidence because that dude is probably the most confident player on the team in his own ability and everything. I mean, whenever he's having a bad game, he's still going to get his shots up. And whenever he's having a good game, he's going to score 30 on you and it's going to be pretty awesome. So uh, he definitely has a level of belief in himself and and in his game and everything that that's part of why I thought it would translate well to being a sixth man. Um, I never thought that it would translate well to being like one of the most efficient shooters in the NBA, but Hey, I mean, I'm not going to complain about it.
1: And he was just a throw-in in the KP trade for a lot of people. And, that I mean, yeah, we went down the whole route uh, in his podcast all about him that episode. But the fact that, you know, two players in that trade for Dallas and not only KP but Tim Hardaway Jr. also, like – both of those guys are huge parts of this Mavericks team. And if Dallas makes any type of long uh, long run in the playoffs in Orlando, it's probably going to be because of those two guys alongside Luca.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tim and Seth, I think, are two guys that could definitely swing a series. You go into a – this is kind of the year of the duo, right? Almost every team has a good one-two punch. So if those two just cancel each other out, right? Like if, if Luca and KP can cancel out Kawhi and Paul George or LeBron and AD or – Whatever. I mean, Harden and Westbrook, whoever it is, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. um, Then it's going to be okay. Who's next? Right. And it's Tim and Seth are probably
1: John Collins. Uh, No, they're not playing. (laughs) I forgot. And
0: and right now it's it's Tim and Seth who are giving you 30 points combined, basically for the last two or three months. I mean, that's like that's the type of thing that can swing a series. So um, pretty cool to see them kind of step their game up. Is there anything else that that Tim said or that has been said recently that really caught your ear, caught your attention or anything? Or do you want to go ahead and uh, move on?
1: Yeah, well, I think Tim said something that uh, really built off of, I think it was Rick or it could have been Donnie, that used the word accountability last week. And when Tim started off his whole media session today, uh, when just talking about the team, and I think he was asked about if he has been monitoring the other franchises uh, around the league that are shutting down practice facilities right now, and his answer, I, I thought it it went great with uh, I think it was Donnie's quote last week last week of saying, "Hey, us as a team, like teammates, we we have to be safe." And sacrificing things in our life so for the betterment of not just their health but for the team also and Donnie when he used that accountability word last week he said as a team we're, we're keeping each other accountable because if some of these guys go out and they're not they don't take it serious whatever it's risking things for the entire team as a whole and I just it's really cool to see this camaraderie I guess a, a, I don't even know the right word for it but just hearing Tim uh, word it in a way of saying hey like we're we're all sacrificing as a team and we're all moving forward as a team knowing that there are certain things we have to do to be safe and everything so that we can achieve what we want to achieve as a team and i i just i really like that
0: yeah for sure and i think also part of that stems from this mutual recognition of if you go down there and you have a good eight games and you move up in the standings a little bit then you have a chance to no i'm not going to sit here and say they're going to go to the finals or anything but you have a chance to win a series yeah you know you have a chance to you have a chance to do a little something it's going to be really tough for anybody to get past the Lakers or the Clippers but I've told you this before I don't really I don't see why they the Mavs aren't like right there after those two teams I mean right there with like Denver and the Rockets and the Jazz and all I mean the gap between Dallas and all those other teams in terms of talent is almost non-existent and in in terms of record sure it's They're seven games back of Denver or whatever it is, if not even, actually. I think they're like four and a half or five games. So, you know, there's really not much separating any of these teams in the standings right now. And uh, in terms of quality, I mean, they're right there, too. So I think there's a kind of this understanding of if we go down there and and take care of ourselves, take care of business health-wise, then we put ourselves in a position to take care of things on the court, even though this is our first time in the playoffs. You're supposed to lose your first time in the playoffs. You're supposed to kind of get smoked your first time in the playoffs, but that doesn't have to be us.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but before the games begin, that's July 31st against Houston. The maps are going to have a few scrimmages. So that schedule came out over the weekend. Now, I don't believe these games are going to be televised. That may, or may, yeah, that may or may not happen. The fact that there was no TV schedule, Kind of partnering that announcement makes me think that yeah, it's probably probably not going to be broadcasted anywhere. But the Dallas, uh, your 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 Dallas Mavericks will be playing three of those games. Uh, they'll be playing the Lakers on the twenty third. They'll be playing which Isaac? That's seventeen days away. This this is happening. Uh, they'll be playing the Pacers on the twenty sixth, and they'll be playing the Sixers on the twenty eighth. So kind of the whole gist of this was. Um, play teams that you're not playing in the restart and that you're unlikely to play in the playoffs. Now, obviously, the Lakers are the number one seed, so the earliest the Mavs can play them would be the first round if they fell to eighth or the second round if they rose to fourth or fifth, and they wouldn't play the Pacers or the Sixers unless it's a finals matchup, which I think we're all pulling for a Mavs-Sixers finals so we can reunite with the accountant. But, I mean, I I don't really know what what there is to say. I guess my question for you is, do you think – what what do you think happens in those games? Are are these are these forty eight minute games? And if so, are people playing thirty? Are is this preseason where guys are playing a quarter? Is are they are they playing thirty? I mean, what what do you think happens in these games? Let's just go pure speculation.
1: I don't I don't want to be like the the negative person here, but I honestly, don't care about the scrimmage games. I just wow. I just don't think I like as soon as this the scrimmage game uh, schedule came out, people you know would tweet and like, hey, does this mean anything? We're playing the Lakers, whatever. It's kind of going back to what you just said. I just don't think teams, and I could be completely wrong in this. I just don't think teams are going to be rolling out. Uh, you know, I don't think the Lakers are going to be rolling out LeBron for 40 minutes that night, or even the Mavericks rolling out Luka for 36 minutes that night. I just don't. I think it's going to be like preseason stuff, but maybe even worse. I think we could see like maybe a quarter or whatever it is. I, I just don't know what we'll be able to pull away from, especially if they're not televised or anything like that. What can you. Our team's gonna go into these games throwing out huge game plans that they're hiding for the playoffs. Probably not. So it's like, what can you really pull away from some of these scrimmage games? Besides the fact that, and this is why—I mean, I understand why they're having—just getting out there and playing against another team and getting getting your legs back underneath you and just playing some basketball. Like that's what I envision a scrimmage to be. So I'm not looking to pull anything, any like huge conclusions from the scrimmage games. I just want them to stay healthy. That's all. That's all I was.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think what's going to happen is sort of this gradual ramp up. Like, I don't think you're rolling out Luka for 36 minutes on July 23rd, but you might play him for 30 minutes on July 28th. You know, like, you, you kind of have to build it up a little bit, you know, like, you, you got to get these guys back. And so this is essentially preseason, but it's a condensed preseason. Yeah. Ordinarily, you'll get six or eight games to get in shape for game one of 82. But now you have three games to get in shape for games one of eight. So... Like it's it's time to go. So I think there will be a gradual sort of build up. But at the same time, I wouldn't like if the Mavs go 0 and three. I wouldn't you know uh, blow all the air out of your out of your Larry O'Brien floaty that you're using in the pool. But at the same time, if they go three and zero, I wouldn't like plan a parade route or
1: anything. Yes. Uh,
0: but it will still be interesting to follow the box scores and just to see like the rotations or uh, not even the rotations that you won't be able to glean anything from that. But I guess the number of minutes guys are playing really. Yeah. Unless those it's, games are streamed somewhere or something,
1: it's bound to happen. Some team will go three and zero, and you know people will jump on board and be like, "Whoa, Philly went three and zero. They're winning the East, and it's like these scrimmage games and all of that." But uh, I'm glad they're ha- having them. I, I I think that's awesome. Instead of rolling from training camp straight into you know the thirty <laughs> first against Houston, I, I love that they're having the three scrimmage games. So uh, I wish at some point they can figure out a way for us to see. I don't know, some type will they film it and then just show like highlights? Could we have a you know fifteen minutes, hey, these are the best plays from those games? I don't know. It's it's gonna be weird knowing that the Mavericks scrimmage the Lakers and then bam, we just find out about it, you know, an hour later and oh cool. Luca played eighteen minutes in this game and he had twelve points and we're like, Oh, cool, there was basketball play and we didn't get to see it and we're gonna be bummed. We need
0: to hit up Jalen Brunson, and say, just
1: go live so, on Instagram. Go
0: live on IG. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like hold your phone up, or like set it on the ground, kind of like lean it up against the bottom of your chair. Uh, put like a little duffel bag kind of next to it so that Rick doesn't know.
1: Ooh. But
0: you know, s- stream maybe the whole game and also tag me in the post so that I know it's live. How about that? There you go. I, I don't ask for much.
1: Or they uh, just send you to Orlando, and this is your thing.
0: I'm the I'm the. The scrimmage stream guy. <laughs> I'm gonna go into quarantine for three more months just to stream three scrimmages. I would do it if if called upon. I, I would uh, I would answer the call for sure. All right, Isaac. Before we get out of here, any any, any final words, or uh, do you feel like we knocked it right out of the park?
1: No, I, yeah, I'm I'm ex- excited as um, all the fans that uh, are ready for Mavs basketball, and it's cool seeing the team talk and. I think we're going to get to talk to uh, Carlisle one more time before the whole squad heads out for Disney. So a big week, not just for the Mavs, but for the NBA as everybody travels to Orlando.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the first teams, well, Toronto's already there. I think the first teams fly out tomorrow. The Mavs will go, I believe, on Wednesday, July 8th. And then the final teams will arrive there on July 9th. And then it's kind of a quick little sit there for a few days. Uh, everybody gets tested, hope you know nothing else pops up. And then you start practicing and we'll we'll have some uh, we'll have some content like Becky and I said on Friday we're, we're able to send some people down there so we'll have some videos and some photos and stuff behind the scenes to uh, to get your maps fixed but otherwise keep following Bobon on Instagram i mean my god that guy's been a gold mine the last few days it's been incredible he and maxi and he and delon and he and luca of course are best friends in the world. And I'm going to be living vicariously through Bobon for probably the rest of my life, but certainly the next three months or so. So uh, I love you, Bobon. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you as well, Isaac, for joining me today. And thank you at home or wherever you are for listening. Hope you had a good weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, please rate, review, please share with all your friends. Uh, we're with you every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. So there's going to be plenty of content. I know we got a couple episodes coming out this week that are going to be really, really, uh, really interesting and insightful hearing from some new people for the first time. So it's going to be really good. we got a big week planned for you, big weeks ahead. We're about three weeks from real basketball, two weeks from semi-real basketball in the form of scrimmages. So feel excited. Feel as excited as I am and as Isaac is. Follow him on Twitter, Isaac L. Harris. Uh, I'm Bobby Carell on Twitter if you feel like following me. Uh, definitely follow respectful memes who just crossed a million followers today. That's a great a great account. Always wholesome stuff on there uh, on the good internet. Isaac, thank you and uh, we'll, we'll uh, be back with you tomorrow on Ma daily.